Hello everyone, this is Strati Papa Giorgio and Father Michael Tischel and we are An Imperfect Imperfect Podcast. So, uh, you mentioned something about humility, that you want to talk about humility as everybody knows, everybody listening. It is Lent now. Yeah, Strati, I have to tell you, I'm I'm really proud of this topic. You're proud of it? Yeah. Why are you proud of it? Well, I mean, I just feel like I've really perfected this topic of oh. humility. and. Uh... Okay, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I can tell that that's, you are... That's what uh... they call a dad joke. Oh, yes. You're allowed to do those now. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. What is humility? That's another one of those words that kind of, I think, evokes... Some interesting mixed reactions and responses from me, from people, where it's like, you know, maybe we have to kind of sift through some of the misconceptions that we have about this word, humility. Well, we could start from the very etymology, right? Right. The the Latin uh, humus means uh, soil, dirt, Mm. Mm -hmm. right? So there's this notion of, of something related to the ground, something related to being grounded, could that be related to the Greek word for hun, hus, which means dirt? Hmm. Possible. I just interesting. It's kind of in my mind. Just a it's very, bit. yeah, it's very possible. Very I haven't, possible. I haven't related it to. Uh, I, I had homa. Homa is the well. Homa is modern. Yeah. Hun is the is, or hus is is the ancient. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, probably it's very possible. Yeah, probably. Maybe, probably. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm interesting. Almost sure that. The you know, and, and uh, I think, again, you know, there are certain, like, caricatures. People have these images about humility. It's like, if you're going to be humble, you have to beat yourself up. You have to, you know, call yourself bad names and sort of someone praises you and you say, oh, no, 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 well, no I didn't, you know, I did a horrible job. Um, right. The, like, you know, and then, self-deprecating and, right, yourself self-deprecating. in order to... To do what? I don't know. You know, yeah, and, to appear humble, I guess. Right. So there's a, there's a false humility maybe in that where you're just like, get over yourself, man. Like, come on, we don't want right. to self-wallowing, you know, kind of wallowing in our own self-pity. And so that is not humility. Um, yeah, what is it? What is humility? <laughs> and like anything in the church, like any aspect of our faith, I think we have to we have to start by saying that it's um, ultimately humility is is inexpressible. It's something that goes beyond our comprehension, our understanding, our our way of articulating something. It's it's a mystery. It's a it's a vioma. It's a it's a way of life. It's a an expression of an actual way of life rather right. than just some sort of neat definition or or kind right. of ideology. I was thinking about this because uh, the other day, you know, um, we showed a beautiful video uh, that Trisagion Films put out on St. Moses the Ethiopian, St. Moses the Black. Yeah. There was a scene where after he had been ordained to the priesthood, um, he was about to enter into the altar and in the altar were all of his kind of brother priests and they were told to scorn him just to see how he would respond. And because he was such a holy man... When he entered into the altar, they called him all sorts of things, and he leaves and he says, "You're right. I'm not even a man." You know, kind of. Yeah, because he had he had many years prior, 
he had, you know, lived as a, a, a vagrant, a vagabond. A, sure. He was, he was a thug. Yep. You know, he was a, a bandit. So he had mur killed, he had, you know, use your imaginations. Right. So, so that's why he's like, yeah, you're right. Well, I think. Is it why? Because there are a lot of vagabonds and thugs out there who wouldn't have responded in the same way. Well, sure. But I think that that's... Oh, maybe I could be wrong. <laughs> maybe they would. Right. Um, but no, I mean, I think that's how he was intellectualizing it in his mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. I should, I'm not worthy yeah. to, to be in there. Right. Really, I'm not. Yeah. You, you've, you've allowed me to, but... Sure. You're right. But and, and so the question for me is, how is that, or is that different than the way that we kind of beat ourselves up in the kind of self-deprecation, self-deprecating ways that right. we kind of treat ourselves where someone says, you know, oh, you're no good, yeah. you know, piece of whatever. And, and, and we say, oh yeah, you're right. You know, I'm, I'm I think, I think person. it has to do with the authenticity of the person's heart. You know, okay. I, in his case, he truly was authentically humble. He wasn't putting on a show. He was, he really felt that way. Well, and and it wasn't that he was that he hated himself or anything like that. Right. Well, so that's so, that's what I want to get at is that I don't think people that like are self-deprecating are necessarily putting on a show. I mean, there are times where it's just that like really false kind of show of humility where you're just like, "Oh, yeah, yeah," but then behind the scenes. But then then there are the instances where you really do believe that you're a piece of nothing. You know, yeah, like sure, you're you're sure. You're no good. You're yeah. You know, yeah. and so what's the difference between sort of feeling having this kind of low self esteem, I guess, that can be expressed in these quote unquote humble words. What well, kind of a unhealthy, versus, an unhealthy? That's an unhealthy state of mind versus. So it's a it's a. It's an unhealthy humility versus a. Sure. A, a, a spiritual humility, almost you might right. say. Is and can we dig into that as far as what's the difference between those mm. two? You know, like if. Yeah, if I, if I, you know, I'm, you know, I, I mess up on a, on a problem for work or for school or something like that, and I'm like, oh, you know, you can never get this right. You're just a, you know, yeah. you know, you you screw up all the time. Like, I mean, you hear in the literature of saints' lives and things like that, them talking to themselves and yeah. about themselves in somewhat self-deprecating sure. manners. Is there a difference between those two? There has to be a difference. Of course, they're saints, right? <laughs> so let's assume that there's a difference, right? Well, and, and not only that, but, but I can say from personal experience that I've met people who I would consider to be really godly people yeah. who speak about themselves in a somewhat self-deprecating way. Mm -hmm. But when they do, you don't get the sense that they're doing yeah. it in this kind of self-centered sort of like putting themselves down yeah but it's almost it's um i don't want to say a technique but it's a method it's a method yeah for a particular goal that they have yeah which is not necessarily the goal isn't to put themselves down the goal right. is to do what Will you tell us <laughs> well this is where we come to a beautiful notion i think in the life of our church and in the life in our, our spiritual lives, which I think is, is really characterized by many people, but specifically um, someone that comes to mind is St. Silouan the Athenite. Mm -hmm. He was a, yeah. a um, contemporary Russian um, monk saint who lived on Mount Athos, on the monastic Republic of Mount Athos, 
um, in the uh, 19th and 20th centuries. And uh, he was originally from, from Russia, from a little village in Russia, um, but he moved to the monastery of St. Pantalemon, the, the Russian monastery on Mount Athos, and lived there for his entire life as a very simple man, but a profoundly um, prayerful and, and holy man, and was sort of discovered, quote-unquote, by um, a, another monk by the name of um, Father Sifroni, um, uh, Zakharov, um, who became his spiritual disciple, and then eventually his biographer. And um, in his writings, uh, St. Silouan's writings, um, which is sort of attached to his biography, uh, he talks about humility, and he talks about how um, if you have not tasted the sweetness of the Holy Spirit, then you'll rejoice in vanity, in riches, in power, right? Um, because all of these things sort of act as a meager substitute for mm -hmm. the sweetness of the Holy Spirit. But if you do taste of the sweetness of the Holy Spirit, you'll desire to continue to experience that, that sweetness, that encounter with Christ, with God in the Holy Spirit. And you'll do anything you can to preserve that, and you'll avoid anything you can to diminish it. And so I think that what I've come to, and you could tell me what you think about this, is that some of these like methods of like humbling myself and diminishing myself, whether verbally or just in my own mind and my own way of looking at myself, are, is not that kind of unhealthy mental yeah. sort of like, you know, I'm, I should be so great but I'm not, and so I'm just going to beat myself up over right. it, right? But rather, it is, um, it's a way for Christians, it's a way for people of God to uh, preserve this gift, this treasure that they have inside of them, of the, the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of them, yeah. and the recognition that the Holy Spirit flees from pride and is right. attracted to humility. Right. And so the more that I humble myself, whether by word or by deed or, or just disposition, the more I feel and I experience the increase and the growth of the presence of the sweetness of the Holy Spirit in my life, and the more that I exalt myself yeah. and my own understanding, that more that diminishes. I completely agree. I think you, I mean, I think you've nailed, I mean, you nailed it. Um, and, and there's so many more things that can be said about it. I mean, I also think that there's also a realization as the closer you get to understanding God in a, in a personal way, the, the smaller you realize you are. So, so when I say I'm nothing, I, you know, some, many of the holy people have at some point they're saying, cause yeah, I really am really, really tiny mm -hmm. <laughs> compared to the compared to God, compared to the the reality of, I mean, you know, my mind now goes to how big the universe is. Well, imagine God is even bigger than that, right? Oh, and you're a speck of dust on, and all of that. So when they say I'm nothing, they're also realizing it too, right? You know, in an honest and and sincere way, you know. Yeah, and to compare that, because I think it is helpful to compare that to the what we can consider to be the unhealthy, yeah. self-deprecating approach. I think, and tell me how, how this sort of hits you, but I think that part of what we do when we kind of beat ourselves up verbally um, in an unhealthy way is, in a sense, what we're saying is, 
I am this horrible person, but I know that I should be something great. Right. On my own. Wh- right. Whereas the whereas the saints are just like they they're not striving to be great. Right. They're not striving to be great. They just want they just want God's love and right. they and they and they're and they've given their lives to God. Yep. Or they're trying to give their lives to God. And so they have no uh, expectations other than that. Right. And not even that they expect that necessarily. Right. Yeah. St. Porfirios, you know, he said, I, when I die and I go to heaven, I, I, I don't expect. <laughs> right. I, I, I hope that God's love acts. Sure. And he will accept me. Sure. So, yeah. So, so it's almost like a lack of expecting myself to be great, like you said yep. a minute ago, is that we're not called to be great. In yep. the in the way that the world understands exactly. greatness on our own, on yeah. our, with our own strength, our own yeah. wisdom. Um, but there's that little. We're like you know when we beat ourselves up, it's it seems counterintuitive because it seems like we're not exalting ourselves, right? Because we're I'm saying, well, I'm stupid. I'm this. Right. I'm that. But I think the unspoken, mm-hmm. the unspoken belief, is that I'm stupid and I should. And you're sort of still clinging on to this, this image of who I should be yeah. separate from the greatness of God. Again, paradoxes. You know, it, it, um, uh, it, it, it yeah. Behind, yeah. behind the veil is still your own pride it's and pride. ego. It's, it's pride and ego. And it's pride and ego in a very subtle and a very sure. difficult to kind of discover way and in a way that we can't just, it's the kind of discovery that goes far beyond just, you know, Oh, if I can, if I just say the right thing or do the right thing, I will be rid of my prideful tendencies. Mm -hmm. It's the kind of ego that needs deep cleaning and deep healing that we can't do. We can discover it and we can despair (laughs) because it's like, Oh my gosh, like I am really messed up, you know, in some ways. Um, <laughs> and maybe you are. <laughs> and I am. And I am. And that discovery, if we are still in this mindset that I can fix myself, can lead us to a point of despair. Mm-hmm. Then I'm already sunk. <laughs> everything, everything is kind of set up for me to fail because I'm trying to build my own house. And uh, we know that when we try to do that, ultimately... We're, we're building on a very shaky foundation. to that we need God's help for everything. Isn't that such a uh, simple <laughs> yet, yet not so simple. But it's not simple and it is simple. Right. It's again a paradox. And and it's one that the world is more and more, you know, we live in a world where the dangers of the world are less mm-hmm. than they were 
many years ago. You know, people's lives, you know, you didn't know what famine or plague could happen mm -hmm. or diseases that could are healed before you're born now mm -hmm. um, were, were just, were, were, you know, would take your life. Uh, you know, the mortality rate was much higher. So now, so people, so people clung to, 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 the, to God uh, as, as opposed to now where we, we, we have this arrogance as a, as a whole race almost. Yep. An arrogance where, well, we've we conquered that. Mm -hmm. We've been to the moon. We've, we were, so, so there's like a civilizational arrogance and right. ego and pride that uh, that permeates the psyche of an entire of, of everybody. Yeah, you know, and I mean, with, that's really that's yeah. really really powerful to think about. I mean, really interesting because it goes beyond the individual having a hard time with pride. It goes to an entire uh, you know an age. It yeah. goes to the entire age that we live in. Right, cosmic pride. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh... It's definitely an issue. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but at the end of the day, we will still die. We, we don't know when we will die, so we really haven't solved right the core issues. Right. And if we don't believe that God is the is the ultimate one is the one that holds the entire creation in His hand, then then, like you said before, we're sunk. Right. So how do we face up to this insidious, looming, massive beast yeah. that is kind of this not only individual pride, but yeah. civilizational, as you put it, um, yeah. kind of... Uh, cultural in some... Cultural. This, this sense that our whole society, in many ways, is built up um, yeah. on this promise or this illusion that we can you know build the tower up to the heavens without without god that kind and of notice thing. how and notice how in our age we've just built taller and taller towers right. <laughs> we're scraping the sky we're scraping the sky skyscrapers yeah so um how well i think we you know each person has to tackle it on their own we're not going to change the entire world Recognizing that, that it's imperfect maybe is the first start. Maybe the recognizing the world is imperfect, step. that you're imperfect. Right. Right. But it comes back to the sense that, you know, it's very, it can be very, it can frustrate our, our tendencies to want, you know, these easy steps towards perfection. These Our tendencies to, to say, well, I just need to figure this problem out. I have to solve it. I have to... You know, Every day. eradicate it, eliminate it. Um, and it's not a matter of figuring it out or solving it because it's not, there's no solution ultimately uh, from a human perspective. Right. I mean, this is our state. This is our, this is the, the state in which we live, the, the state of our world, the state of our souls. Right. Um, we're just waking up to this and you know, becoming more aware of it. And so I think we have to just, in, in some senses, before we even think about solutions, we just have to sit with it for a second and sit with the brokenness of our reality, both individually and, and cosmically, and not be too quick to want to change it, to, to kind of compulsively fix it.
Yeah. Um, but just to say, yeah, yep, we're broken. Yeah. Yeah. We live in a broken world. We live in a broken world. My life is pretty messed up, mm-hmm. you know, and that is... Well, and, 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 and it's hard. I mean, it's so difficult to, to just um, put your hands up and say, Lord, let your will be done. Because mm-hmm. you want so many things. You want this, you want that, you want this, you want that. And, and it's, it's, it's almost contrary to, to your, to your um, normal, like, I don't let somebody else tell me how my life is going to go. Mm-hmm. But in some ways, you have to allow for God to guide your life. Mm-hmm. And that has to be very frustrating. I mean, it is very frustrating <laughs> to our psyche right. because, oh, Goodness, no, I want to be in control of my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that there's, you know, it's not predestination or anything. Sure. But that he will guide you in the ways that will will be good and best for you. Yeah. That's, that's very difficult for the human being, regardless of what culture. It is very difficult. Because we want to be in control. We do. Yeah, we... Why do we want to be in control? Well, we want the best for ourselves based on what we think is the best for ourselves. Right. We want to be able to control that. We want to be able to say, I want this thing to happen. Right. But when you see it not happening, the way you think it should go, well, that's very frustrating, right? Yeah. 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 So this Well, that's where humility comes in. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's where humility comes in, to say, realize that you are not in control and you have to accept that. Mm. I'm preaching to myself now. I need, no, I, I need that's to, the best I kind need, of preaching. I need to. I need to follow what I'm saying. <laughs> right. No, that's that is the best kind of preaching. You know, I'm, you yeah. know, I'm not a model example of this or anything, but I think in the end, that's what it is, isn't it? Yeah, we want control. We want to be able to control our future according to a particular sense or image of what would be the most beneficial for us the most pleasurable kind of give us the most pleasure really you know not in the least amount of pain sure so absolutely you know who 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 wants to experience pain no yeah um and so you know we develop this whole kind of vision for our life that's essentially self uh, you know wanting to preserve ourselves our our ourselves within this kind of casing of pleasure right actually the first word that came to mind was within this casket of pleasure (laughs) casket that's because ultimately it is a casket it is if we don't open it up to to god um and you know pleasure will be the death of us our desire for pleasure in and of itself i mean the desire for pleasure is not necessarily a bad thing as long as it's eternal pleasure oh sure right in other words we're not we're not uh you know hedonists well i was actually gonna say the opposite we're not uh masochists masochists in the sense that we're you know we're not out to say that humans just need to suffer and be in pain but you know we also know that not all pleasure is good and not all pain is bad yeah and we start to develop this more this wiser view of pleasure and pain um, and to understand that sometimes in order to, in this fallen world, in order to 
experience lasting pleasure, lasting eternal life, we need to endure temporal suffering. pain and yeah. suffering. Yeah. And um, that is going to undermine this very static vision of self that, that comes from our egotistical desire for self-preservation. You know, this vision that emerges from my own egocentrism of how I should live my life, of what life should be about, does not include often this nuanced view of pleasure and pain, mm-hmm. right? That pain is sometimes necessary and pleasure is not always good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that, uh, that, that the, the crux, the, the, the core of humility is truly accepting that you are not in control that you're, that, that, I mean, we say it in the, your will be done mm-hmm. on earth as it is in heaven, mm-hmm. you know. So I think that um, it's kind of, it's just very much about accepting. And, and, and to bring it back to the original self-deprecation, you know, the, the, the saints, they were reminding themselves of, reminding themselves of that sort of state of being that I'm not that great. I'm not that great. I'm not trying to be great. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to be great. I'm not trying to be great. You know, that, that it was, it wasn't, it wasn't because they hated themselves. In Mm -hmm. fact, they loved themselves. Mm -hmm. God helps them to love themselves. Right. You know, and, uh, I think that that, that plays, and, and I think that a lot of people outside the Orthodox Church, or maybe even some Orthodox Christians, don't even realize that. They read some of the lives of the saints and they're like, what, what's wrong with that guy? He hates him. Or he's, he's yep. beating up on himself. Why? Right. Why did, why did Abba Moses you know, say, yeah, you're scum. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't deserve to be in the altar, say right. with the angels. And, and yet, grace was upon him right. the entire time. And that's the difference, is that there is this, what you could call relational humility versus self-centered humility, right? In mm. other words, humility that is referential, referential. to God. In other words, that's, that's in reference to my relationship with God. And then there's humility, the negative kind of unhealthy humility, which is to say, I have no relationship to God at all. I'm just... It's, it's sort of my relationship to my idealized image, really. Right. It's go. idolatry. <laughs> right? It's, so on the one hand, I'm, I'm referring myself to God, and I'm, I'm sort of bouncing myself off of God. And on the other hand, I'm referring myself to my idealized image yeah. self, there to you, this static you. You got it. <laughs> idol. Uh, perfect. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and worshiping that idol... And being crushed by that idol, yeah, um, which can never ever live up to your imagined potential. Yeah, no matter how many billions you make, I'll always be tormented by the insufficiency, yeah, and the deficiency of of my ability to live up to it, and it'll become not a redeeming, life-giving God to me, but it'll become my tyrant. You know, it'll, mm-hmm. it'll tyrannize me as so many of us are tyrannized by this, 
this idol that we that has been cultivated sure. in our lives, um, which is this kind of inner vision of my perfect self. Yeah. Um, and so, what did the saints do with idols? They they smashed them. They smashed them. <laughs> Either we're gonna have to smash our idols, or life is gonna smash oh, our it, idols for us. It, it, both could happen. <laughs> Both could happen. <laughs> because at the end of the day, you know, and it's a, it, it's something with a lot of young people, my, myself, you know, included. But, um, you know, when you're in your early 20s and you think you can conquer the world, and then something happens and you just, life just runs you over like a train. Yep. And then you begin to realize them, but you know, and I, I, you see that by the time you're in like your fifties and your sixties, you're, you're so much calmer. Yep. The older you get for the most part, and there's yeah, exceptions. There are. People are humbled by just the very fact of being alive has right. humbled them. Exactly. Yep. Not that doesn't mean that they're, uh, wholly humble, like a holy right. H-O-L-Y humbled. Right. But that they're just beaten down yes and that beating down could be a bad thing too. right sure if it's not if it's not offered up right if it's not uh referred to if it's not yeah raised up to yeah, yeah god yeah. because exactly. then it's just i mean it can it can predispose us and really kind of open crack us open sure sure say, it can help to to the presence of god in our lives but you're right i mean it and i think i think where it becomes destructive is where when we do get beaten down and when we do get sort of run over by that the train of life you could say um what we don't want to do what we really need to kind of catch ourselves from doing is try and put the pieces back together again i think that's oftentimes what we do end up doing is you know we've been shattered and that image of ourselves is just lying in pieces on the ground Mm -hmm. and instead of acknowledging it and saying lord have mercy mm-hmm. giving it up to god or just allowing god to come into it yeah we get angry we get angry we go into depression go into depression and all of these things i think are attempts to rebuild the image yeah. Yeah. on our own right to kind of rebuild the idol life has smashed the idol and we're unwilling to let go of it we want it. We, we we love it so much. We've become so attached, attached to, to it. it. Um, control, right? Control. Yeah. Um, that that we we can't worship another god. Oh wow. Eesh. Yeah. And um, that's where we get ourselves into a lot of trouble. Is where we try to. And even in the context of our faith, you know, there's a spiritual father in Thessaloniki who talks about this in relation to confession. Mm-hmm. He says, oftentimes what people will do is they'll commit a sin, you know, something that they're definitely uh, ashamed of, and rather than running to confession, run running to the priest while they're still broken, you could say, they sort of wait for time to pass so that they can pretend like the pieces have been put together, and then they go to the priest. And they say, Father, two weeks ago I, you know, I committed this sin, but, you know, I figured out that if I do it this way and if I don't do it this way and if I'm this kind of person and I'm not that kind of person, then, you know, 
blah, blah, blah. And they've kind of like, like both messed up and provided the solution for the priest. And it's like <laughs> what, what he sees people doing is, is attempting to reconstruct this smashed idol of themselves in the confessional, um, which is not what confession is about, right? You know, and I think we all do this. I think you know. I think we all have this tendency to do this. I think we this. all do this. Yeah. yeah. You know, no one wants to come <clears throat> to the priest, you know, with a broken and contrite heart. <laughs> Ouch. No, you're right. But you know, <clears throat> and I'm not saying like you commit a sin. Right. Call up your priest. Call tomorrow, your like, priest. Really. Uh, that's yeah. Two in the morning. Right. It's, <laughs> it's not the action. It's the disposition. Right. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. in other words coming, coming to confession both before god and before the priest um in this disposition of no i don't have it figured out no i haven't resolved it no i haven't solved the sin you know that's the The passion yeah that we've sort of solved the passion there's no solution for the passions the uprooting of the passions on your own there's no solution exactly right yeah The, uh, the uprooting of the passion comes through the surrender, yeah, you know, and yes, we, you know, we put in our effort and we 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 show that we're resolved yeah. to to move past this, that we're not comfortable with sort of maintaining these these negative habits and things like that. But ultimately, you know, the the healing is not ours. Mm-hmm. We don't heal ourselves, right? Um, I mean, I think it's it's not unique to me. It's it's it's, it's common and 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 it's um. It's something that we all face. Absolutely. You know, and uh, just as being, just by being human, it it happens to us. Like Adam and Eve in the in the in, the, in paradise, where they didn't want to admit what they had done and started blaming each other. <laughs> we haven't changed. We really at haven't. all since uh, that took place. Um, yeah, I think I think that you know one one thought comes to my mind of reading the lives of the saints mm. especially during times in lent reading scripture obviously reading the lives of the saints is very shouldn't discourage us as 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 it discourages some people sure um it it should give us hope because they're nobody's born okay yeah some people are born able to speak five lang you know able to learn a hundred languages right sure but nobody's born um more loved by god like god doesn't love mm. some people more than other people yeah you know he didn't love the virgin mary more than yeah she he loves me or you right and uh, father athanasius of limasol said he doesn't love the virgin mary more than he Loves the devil. He loves the devil That's as much powerful. as he loves the Virgin Mary. It's powerful. And that, and that knowledge should, when listening to the lives of the saints or reading them or whatever, watching Trisayun films, mm-hmm. <laughs> plug to Absolutely. our own channel, <laughs> um, should give us the greatest hope. Even if we don't achieve what they achieve, and we don't have to achieve what they've achieved in, sure. in the in the way that they've achieved it, in the sense that we don't need to do miracles, right? But we can, in our own way, our own humble way, achieve 
a closeness to God and a love for God in the here and now and and we continue to cultivate that for the rest of our lives. I think another thing that we do is we pretend like we're going to live forever, like we're going to live 90 years, and maybe we won't live 90 years. Right. Yeah. Maybe we'll live another two, three, less. You know, so so uh, I think that the, the, the calls of John the Baptist, the kingdom of, of God is here, right? Mm -hmm. Is at hand. Is at hand. Is, uh, is, is saying, you know, this life will come to an end. Hurry up. Mm -hmm. Get to it. <laughs> right. and, don't, and don't falter because it's always going to be... Um, death is always... Not, not, not to make this a very uh, sure. uh, depressing podcast, although it, some people might be tuning out right now due to <laughs> the, the, the depressing nature. Um, I hope that we all understand... You know, that, that death is truly imminent. Imminent. And it's a reality. It's Whether it's imminent or not, it's, right, it's whether, imminent. Right, 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 right. Whether imminent. it's imminent or not, yeah. it's always there. It's, it's always there. It's yep. always it's always happening around us. People are dying every yep. day. And, and, that, and, and, and I asked my father one time. My father is uh, a priest, Father Panagiotis. I asked him, uh, what? What makes, what's, you know, of course many things do, but what's, what particular thing separates an Orthodox Christian from others? And mm -hmm. he says, remembrance of death. Hmm. Interesting. Which I think takes a lot of humility in and of itself to uh, acknowledge. To acknowledge. Mm -hmm. Remembrance mm -hmm. of death. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Staying steadfast. Yeah. Do, for we re constantly remember death. Yeah. And that humbles us. Yeah, right. That because we can't us. conquer death. We cannot conquer death. <clears throat> and then in that humility, we're sort of ready to receive the kingdom of God. Yeah, which happens after our death, but also before our death. Right. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of oh, God. We can experience it now. Is now. Yeah. Is now. And the more that I decrease, and my hands are kind of going down, mm -hmm. the more that I diminish myself, the more the kingdom. Yeah. Um, Again, it's a paradox to modern psychology, where 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 you know a psychologist will tell you not to deprecate yourself, don't hate yourself. Right. But but in in Orthodox theology, it's not hating yourself. No. It's it's recovering the the most beautiful aspect to ourselves and of ourselves that yeah. we could possibly have, which is that presence of the Holy Spirit within us and uh, allowing it to work within us. Amen. So, if you want to take the first step in acquiring the Holy Spirit, uh, in acquiring true humility, then I would say let's recognize that we cannot do it on our own. That we cannot do life on our own. Yeah. And just acknowledging that, reminding ourselves of that, um, resting in that, yeah. because the restlessness of thinking that we can figure it all out on our own is just agonizing. And so just resting in that and allowing God in the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to us in the midst of our imperfection, in the midst of our um, brokenness, yeah. I think is a great way to start out on this path 
of the Christian life. And as we enter into Lent on this uh, time of renewal and spiritual transformation. And I think that's a good way to end this episode of the Imperfect Podcast. Uh, join us whenever the next one comes out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get back to you. We'll get back to you. Yeah. Uh, we hope you all have a wonderful and blessed day or night.